listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Carnivore Conversations, again, with Dr. Rob Kiltz, and I'm really, really excited to bring Dr. Sean Patterson today. Sean uh, is an accomplished trainer, speaker, performance improvement consultant with broad exposure to multiple industries. Uh, He has an entrepreneurial DNA and a knack for improving performance in the professional sports, government, and corporate setting. He has an excellent track record of working with executives, top performers, like all of us, by the way, uh, and high-profile clients. He is passionate about his work and advanced rapidly in all areas of his profession as a chiropractor to begin with and also helping people develop their personal best, I think. I'm just going to bring Sean on because I could I could, I could, keep reading and reading and reading, uh, but really great to have you here, Sean. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you, sir. I'm doing fabulous. I, well, I, I appreciate you getting through that tongue twister of uh, a bio there. <laughs> well, well, you know, I know and every time someone starts reading my bio, it's like, okay, enough, enough, enough. Let's just get to the, the, the <laughs> chat because really we, we learn so much by listening and and uh, getting a chance to ask questions and maybe you tell our our listeners and those watching a little bit about yourself where you came from and how'd you get into this this world of health and wellness yeah uh like most you know life kind of meanders it doesn't take an a to b course no matter how hard i tried to push a to b i i went through a few cul-de-sacs on the way here i call them you know you end up right back where you started maybe a couple years older uh i grew up in the north bay san francisco north bay um uh, just kind of born and raised there. Um, had a hippie mom who was really into just strange things. You know, I was chomping on spirulina as a baby. And, you know, there was rumor of uh, moms eating their placentas back then. And just, I mean, we're talking, I mean, that's the original carnivore stuff, right? Like just crazy stuff. But I always had a real high uh, value for health and, and not by choice in the early years. I was a really heavy adolescent. Uh, I was, you know, I, I'll never forget, you know, one of my first pediatrician visits in my mind where I'm a big boy, I'm 13, just about to turn 13, you know, and the nurse puts me on the scale and says, Sean, do you know that you're only five foot three and you weigh 200 pounds? And like, you know, like that's revelatory at that point. No, I don't know. I'm the right, right. butterball. So I, uh, I was going to prove them all wrong and got into weightlifting and uh, fitness. And I dropped 60 pounds between my, my junior and senior year of high school. And uh, I really fell in love with, with athletics and weight training. I wasn't really good at anything, but I could move weight. And I enjoyed that. And, uh, and I started learning more about nutrition and made a lot of mistakes. And fast forward a 23-year chiropractic career, starting mostly with athletes and fitness. And now I've gravitated more towards, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird week when I don't get somebody coming in saying, they said you could help me. Uh, I have an autoimmune or I can't get pregnant or I have a chronic migraine for 10 years straight and my MDs are at a loss. What could you do for me? Hmm. First I say is, well, I'm a chiropractor, so I don't treat any of that stuff. Right. But here's how this works and let's get your body stronger and healthier. So that's kind of what I do. 
Well, a, a first question a little bit is about that butter boy. And do you think it was the weights and the lifting that probably was the primary reason you began to um, dump the extra weight uh, by lifting weights? Or did you focus a little bit on both the weights and nutrition? Well, you know, the weights came before the weight loss. And as most will learn, and that, that's kind of the, the fitness world, I feel like right now you see all these people that look like, like, like I don't mean to be mean, but like they, they're like bison or mooses in the gym. They're giant and they, they really, most people want to lean up, but they're lifting weights and they don't know how to diet right. So they're just getting bigger and stronger, but they're not getting less body composition, we'll just say. And so I, that was me. All of a sudden I went from, you know, I'm, I'm overweight, but now I'm overweight and really strong. And I like the strong part, but until I started changing my nutrition, I didn't see the fat loss coming off. And I kind of stumbled upon the weight loss. It was, you, you want me to tell you what that was? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know? I think uh, really important. Well, it's funny. I like, I do everything the wrong way. And then I look back and go, okay, that's why that worked. So I was lifting weights, but, but it wasn't taking body fat off me. Well, Come, I lived in a pretty rough area and I had to take the bus. And when you're the fat kid and you're the last bus stop, you don't want to take the bus. And especially when you live in real, you know, ghetto style apartments, it's embarrassing. And so I, I told my mom, I'm not taking on that bus. And my mom said, well, I'm a single mom working three jobs. It looks like you're walking. I said, looks like I'm walking. So I started walking three miles each way to school. And to be honest, you know, we struggled financially. There wasn't a lot of food in the house. So I just said, you know what, this walking thing, Maybe if I don't eat, I'll lose some weight too. So I, I kind of stumbled upon six miles a day and only eating after 4 p.m. And I mean, I dropped, I mean, I had to live in sweatpants for six months. I was losing body fat like crazy. And uh, so not the healthiest way of doing it, but in a lot of ways, maybe a lot healthier than a lot of the diet plans and fitness plans I'm, I'm seeing out there right now. How were you feeling at the time mentally? I felt really good. Um, but some of that was, you know, that that's kind of where the spirituality and insecurities and all that comes in, because I went back to school, you know, and people didn't even know me. And all of a sudden, you know, people wanted to know me, especially those girls. And I thought, wow, I mean, I'm the same person. But, you know, it, it kind of inflated my head and gave me motivations that weren't the best idea. And it almost became like an addictive thing to working out more and, 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 you know, the attention gained from it wasn't a real healthy way of doing it, but it was working um, for a, a while. It was mm. working and then started the chronic pain. And well, tell us a little bit about the chronic pain. And then how did you get into the chiropractic world? Well, perfect question. I, I was doing heavy squats because that was the one thing I wasn't a bench press guy. I mean, you might be the bench press guy. I mean, I'm starting to, I'm starting to develop the upper body now at almost 50 years old, but I was the leg guy. So I was squatting heavy weights for my body weight. And uh, I just remember going down one time, I was 15 years old and I came back up and I got that pinch. I went, yep. Ooh. And then I tried to walk it off, work it out, go sit in the hot tub, did all the things wrong, heated the heck out of it. Didn't know about ice back then. I just tried to work through it. And, and it really, it started a lifelong chronic back problem with herniated discs and all kinds of things. And uh, uh, I didn't really... I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. It was what I thought I was going to do. And uh, I didn't like the way the kind of medical paradigm was working with things like that. Cause they did. It, it's almost like if it's not bad enough, we don't have anything for you, kid, just go, you know, ice it, take some ibuprofen and, uh, and it'll work itself out. And I kept doing that cycle and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And 
had some other sports injuries. You know, I'm not a golfer. So naturally I hit the ground before the ball and really hurt my wrist, you know, and uh, all these little things. And, and, you know, I just had a friend who said, Hey, go see this chiropractor friend of mine. I go, what's that? That's weird. I said, but you know, I like the popping cracking kind of thing. And they worked me over and I'm not even kidding you. I came out of there and I could see better. It's been a real strange thing. My vision has gotten better as, I mean, the last eye doc, eye appointment I had, they said, you don't need your glasses anymore. And I mean, I I just turned 49 this last weekend and at, you know, 45 years old, they said, I I don't know if we got it wrong. Well, I've been wearing those things for a decade and they were helping and now they're not. And they said, yeah, you don't need them. That's why they're messing your eyes up. So, uh, you know, I went, okay, so chiropractic seemed like a really good thing. And, and like we were talking about before, uh, there is an entrepreneurship kind of to that because you could kind of forge your own way. And uh, so I said, the heck with it. I'm going to do that. And I kind of just went for it. And, you know, I was already in all these pre-med classes, so it was an easy pivot. And, and because it is interesting that on the, on the surgical side, it's, it's, it's a, a pill or a procedure and, but chiropractic is a little bit more focused on the, the, the total mind and body. Would you say that falls a little bit more into? Absolutely. I mean, at the, at the core of, of my schooling and why I chose to go to school in California, East Bay at, at a school called life was their whole thing was, look, the power that made the body can heal the body. Yeah. And I like that because I'm a very faithful person and, and I believe in miracles and I believe that's we're all meant to walk in some sort of divine health. Now we've goofed that up real bad, but it doesn't mean we're still not to met we're, we're still not meant to walk that way. And uh yeah, now now given my my profession, I mean I don't know about your profession, but I'm not joking. I've walked into events where there are people wearing purple robes with crystal balls in their hand. Literally. I mean, I joked about it and I went to this conference and that's the first thing I saw in the foyer. And I started, I'm taking pictures, tell my wife, you won't believe this. And then I have friends that are practically surgeons and, and, and they go so far. I'm like, why don't you just go to med school and become a surgeon on top? And they, some do. And so we have a lot of freedom in that, that we're less regulated state to state versus like most medical establishments. And I like that, but it's also a tough grind too, right? It's a tough yeah, grind. Yeah. But yes. To, to answer your question, power that made the body heals the body. And I like that. I like that a lot. And, and tell us a little bit about your journey into faith and spirituality. I've been listening to a number of your YouTube uh, uh, videos, and it seems to me that there is a spirituality in your your guidance and direction that is powerful. Yeah, I appreciate that question because I really feel Sometimes I look back at my life and I, I'm hard on myself and I, oh, I should have done this or made that decision. But I really, if I stop being that way, so self-critical, right? I look back and I go, I do believe there's been a, a kind of a divine path for my life. I mean, uh, the, one of the, the favorite uh, prophets of old time, Jeremiah, says, hey, stand at the crossroads and look. And I like that. He says, stand there. Wait. Look for the eternal way or the ancient way. And then when you find it, walk on it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been what I, I feel like uh, my life's been like um, when I take the time to stop at the crossroad, not just go up, oh, we're hanging a left, we're hanging a right. No, no, it's stop and wait, you know. And um, I mean, I was a very kind of spiritual guy. Um, like I said, my mom was kind of a hippie and um, came from a Catholic background. And I, I had a reverence for God and I'd pray, but no, nothing organized, nothing really like, you know, it was kind of the God of my own understanding. And uh, but one day at 23 years old, I was heading to 
I used to work weekends at Costco and I went to graduate school in the East Bay by Oakland and I worked in Santa Rosa and I'd go up there and just couch surf and work the weekends to get through school. And I'm on the Richmond Bridge of all places and I hear an audible voice. Uh, I mean, and I got my rap music on loud, sir. I mean, it is loud. And I, I had the bass, you know, I can't believe my, I, my ears still work. But uh, it's, it's clear as day. Go to church. Three words. And I felt like that was the first time in my life I heard the voice of God. And I don't know if it was audible, audible, but it was loud in my head. And so I go to work. I'm thinking that's pretty strange. Long story short, I get to work. Within three minutes of clocking in, I had the change key, you know, to the vault and everything. So when other departments like the Photoshop and the hot dog stand needed change, they came to me. First guy walks up. I'm there three minutes. He's got his $100 bill. I'm like, I need some change. Hey, what's up, Jeff? Uh, he goes, nothing. What are you doing tonight? thinking nothing. I've never partied with this guy. He goes, Hey, I'm having a church thing. You want to come with me? And I just sat there like, okay. Uh, yes. And and they great, great. I'll meet you out front after work. And he walks away. I go, what did I just say yes to? But it was so clear in my mind. And, and anyway, that started a journey of, um, you know, here I am 25 years later and I, I'm still on that journey, but it really changed me to more of like, Oh, Oh, oh God is, God is different than, just ambiguous out there. I mean, God's in all nature, but like for me, God became more personified, I, I guess we'd say. Do so. you think in some way in standard medical care, we're missing that spiritual component? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I, I like, uh, I think the spirit in all of us wants to heal. And sometimes it leads us to a surgeon or to a medical doctor for a drug. I have no problem with those things. But sometimes we quickly can take over with our will and our logical mind and we stifle that small, still voice. You know, well, the guidelines are this or the gold standard is this. And, and I feel like the spirit of God's like, hey, no, nope, no problem, guys. This is a free will kind of gig. When you invite me back in, I will speak to you what you want to do uh, or what I want to do for you. That whole self-healing thing. But if you choose this and you want to be intellectual and prideful and stubborn and or or no more than me i'll let you and so yeah I, but i meet doctors who are really open uh to that and and their practices are different i'm sure your practice is different because you obviously right i would i'm assuming that you try to operate from you know that kind of paradigm well i i, I often ask people if they believe in god and i either get a yes or a no uh, but I believe in a higher power. Mm -hmm. And then I, I asked the question, well, what does that mean for you? And how do you use it in your day-to-day -day health and wellness in your life? Because I think in modern medicine, we just, we forget about it. Mm. And ultimately I think it is the most important thing because it guides and drives and directs all of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to go to church. Uh, but it's something I think it's the pos the power of positive thinking or the, the power of some path of thinking, just like their ideas of, of physical activity or nutrition or even when it comes to Western uh, treatment modalities. And I kind of consider it chiropractic a little bit of a Western modality in some mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. But then yeah. It, it, it brings in the Eastern philosophy and the ideas that I think in Western medicine, we haven't really touched very much. I think I agree completely. And I think if you really pulled out a lot of organizing bodies and maybe the mechanics of how people get paid and the codes and the bills, and we really sat down, oh my gosh, we'd rock this thing. We, we'd rock this thing. 
Well, well, tell us a little bit about um, the nutritional side of, of what your thoughts are on health and wellness. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's always been dear to me just because I knew I was doing it wrong. I mean, very much an emotional eater. This is, you know, those uh, single serve uh, half gallons of ice cream, you know, the yeah. cylindrical kind, many of those in my life. And I mean, it really hit me when I was uh, in my early 20s and I went to, to visit my father, who I really didn't have a relationship with, mm. but I was trying to cultivate that. And I remember that whole tension of, oh, do, do I want to be here? Do I not want to be here? This is so awkward. Hard. And my first thing was, you got to get out of this house and go to the store and get some ice cream. And I realized that was like my heroin. It was like, you know, because my mom was an ex-heroin addict. Mm. And it's so funny how I wasn't a heroin addict, but you better believe I was still an addict. And, and it was sugar carbohydrates. Um, I came from a big Italian family and it was lots of great seafood from North Bay. I mean, we still have fishing. My uncle still manages the California Seafood Company, I believe, last time I checked. And so a whole lifelong of, of great seafood proteins, but always the, the French bread and the pasta. Yeah in the sauces. And so I was an emotional eater. And uh, so when I lost that weight, I, I, you know, unfortunately, it was it was all about calories, really, for me, you know, and I, I just ruined my metabolism over over decades. And, and when I got into my 30s and started having children, I you know got married, started a practice and had four children. And uh, I really started going, okay, I, I can't calorie the weight off anymore. I'm slowly gaining weight. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I blinked and I was like, 35 pounds heavier. In fact, Facebook, I shared it with my family this morning. They just gave me one of those 11 or 12 year memories. And I'm, I was 187 pounds and today I'm 150 even. Wow. Yeah. How did that get there? I'm at my fighting weight again, but um, yeah, so food. The, so the first thing, when I said, I got to reel this back in, um, it was the gluten-free thing. Cause I had a son with gluten antibodies and, and that was kind of, it was kind of, I look back and go, well, that was cute. I mean, that, that did a little bit, right? It really just got me off probably eating so much flowers, really all it did. But as we know, gluten-free gluten, gluten -free became a, a thing. And uh, for some, it, it is really beneficial, but it's just a first step or a piece. And then I went into, um, and I did that for years. And But when I really started, I, I went ketogenic about three and a half, four years ago. The last thing I gave up were those corn chips and corn tortillas. And oh, it was so hard. And, uh, and I slow... And, but here's the problem with the ketogenic diet for me. And when I go all in, I go all in. So yeah. I was I was tracking and calculating. I was down to about 1700 calories a day with pretty intense exercise. I mean, I was I had no metabolism. Um, my macros were, uh, you know, probably about 100 grams of protein, you know, 80 to 100 grams of protein, 10% uh, carbs. So I'd get under 50 grams of carbs a day and really most days 40. And that was just incidental through right nuts, some vegetables, hmm. um, and a little bit of dairy, but I was always hungry. I was always cold and I hurt like heck still. Um, you know, obviously wow. uh, stress did a number on my adrenal system, lost my hair, gained weight, major insulin issues and blood sugar issues. And, uh, and, and so just up until, I mean, I'm a five month carnivore today. It wow. was April 5th, five nice. months ago, say September 5th. And it's been wild when I just took out the only thing I was eating, sir, nuts. And I was very specific. I was on like Poliquin's, uh, you know, Charles Poliquin was a great, you know, weightlifting trainer, Olympic trainer. And I, I did what he said, meat and nuts in the morning. It was only Brazil nuts and uh, uh, maybe macadamia nuts. Um, I, I, I had a little bit of cheese. Uh, or I'm sorry, that wasn't plant. I had a little bit of uh, cauliflower. Um, some artichoke and and maybe and just lettuces. Those that, that was the only vegetables I was eating, and my stomach was killing me all the time. 
And I gave those things up because, you know, Jordan Peterson and then Michaela and people keep mentioning this carnivore thing. And then I went on Instagram. And then, you know, once you do that, the whole world is talking carnivore and, you know, my social media. So I said, the heck with it. I'm going to do it. And uh, that was the transition. And it was a it was a rough transition. The first two weeks were bliss. I've never felt such a sense of wellness. Like my mind felt so clear. I felt just strong and warm. I immediately was able to eat 500 calories more a day and I lost weight for the first mm. two weeks. I mean, I looked like I, I leaned up like for a year for me because I'm, I'm slow going. Um, and then then the hiccups came. Right. And you could probably speak to what those are. But the digestive hiccups, you know, that don't the, the don't trust your gas kind of thing. Oh, my goodness. And then and then it went to the other extreme where for the first time in my life I had. I didn't have like an irritable bowel. I had like constipation, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't now learning things, but I definitely, my electrolytes were off cramps and sleep trouble. And then my mind got weird. And and I'm telling you, it's been five months and I feel like I've just worked out the kinks. And, uh, and, and so that's been my nutritional journey. Do you think it's simply withdrawing from the drug? I think the microbiome withdrawing, because as we both know that the microbiome is, yeah, I mean, there's the sugar withdrawal, but I was already done with that. I wasn't eating any sugar. I mean, you could say I went from 40 carbs to 10 a day, maybe some, some days zero. I don't think it was that. I think it was when I stopped putting all that uh, carbohydrate or fiber into my gut, I think those bugs got mad and yeah. they probably started dying off. And, and because how else could I explain my mind, my moods, my behaviors changing? almost like who's in there pulling the strings on this and you know i really i really felt that's that's what it was that withdrawal but a lot from the gut well it's interesting because i believe that's not just sugar it's the phytochemicals heroin is a plant product Mm. and we are all consuming a tremendous amount of heroin-like substances that are the real killers it's wild those, to think because we don't compare those. No, we don't. But if you actually look at plant chemicals, they're opiate-like. Mm. And so and so, it's not just sugar. See, we, we mostly fo- focus on sugar, but the plant antigens, lectins, oxalates, phytates, and then the plant chemicals, the phytochemicals, the oxalates, I'm sorry, the, the, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then the opiate-like substances that are in all plants. Mm. And so my theory on drug addicts is you are actually encouraged to be a drug addict because of the plant-based diet. Wow. And then once you touch heroin, you get the, you get the real hit of what the plants have been doing all along. Makes sense. And so it's hard to withdraw off of plants. It's not the sugar. It's the heroin. Wow. Well, the heroin like substances. Well, you're exactly right. Cause I had already done the sugar. I had really yeah. already done the sugar. And I mean, it was, I, I don't cheat. I mean, I, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to quote cheat, I, I don't like the language. I tell people do what you want, but you're if I'm going to um, have something, I'm not going to order my own. I'm not even going to share. I'm going to say, you put that in front of you and I'm going to be rude and reach over with my fork. And I'm going to do once or twice. And, and that's how I roll because I know myself. I'll turn yeah. back into that junkie. But the last thing, it's so funny that you say that. Here was the deal breaker for me that really sent me into carnivore. 
I, I, I just kept eliminating, kept eliminating, kept feeling better, got rid of avocados. Wow, my stomach feels better. Got rid yeah. of broccoli. My stomach feels better. All the things I'm telling my patients for decades to eat too. I look back, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I, you know, but it was still better than the sad diet for most of them, right? Well, well, we, I mean, I, for sure. I mean, we all go back and whatever we shared, we thought it was right, mm-hmm. but we learned it from others and you feel better right. uh, in many ways, but it just doesn't cure like carnivore cures right well so my last plant i remember i I have this tendency sometimes just you know food is just you know it's like just a mechanical thing and my wife's like sean we're sitting down to eat don't sit there and eat lunch meat standing at the counter like a refugee okay i'll come sit down but i wanted to be a big boy like the family so i get a plate i don't want to eat out of the container and i got romaine nice beautiful organic romaine leaves snapped about or they were the, the cup kind because they were having some sort of lettuce wrap and they were the nice little round one. They were beautiful. No bugs eating them. I'm thinking organic, which now I, in hindsight, I'm like, well, why weren't the bugs eating them? I lay like five of those on my plate and I just get turkey meat. And I eat this turkey meat every day, all day. No problem. After I ate those within 10 minutes, I am dying. Like my stomach is killing me. And it went through the night. And it was almost like, you know, you talk about the spiritual part of things. Yeah. That was almost like a spiritual intervention. And I, I go, there's no way it's romaine lettuce. And sure enough, like, I think the next day, I believe I, I, I heard, I didn't even listen to it. I just saw on YouTube, uh, Dr. Chafee's plants are trying to kill you. And it all just started like a puzzle making sense. I'm going, no, but that withdrawal after that was wild. And that was really one of the last, I mean, the last plant materials I was eating. So I eat occasional French fries dipped in a ton of, either sour cream or lard or duck grease. That's like poured over my steak or my, you know, a little bit, but that's once in a while, Mm -hmm. you know, the fatty meat and the bacon, eggs, butter, beef, like is the standard. I occasionally will snack uh, uh, or or treat, but I don't ever cheat. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I don't ever eat green vegetables, fruit, fiber, seeds, or nuts because those are the real killers. Yeah. Who would have thought? I mean, I went to Europe early on in this and I only did treats four times on 11 day. I'm on the Amalfi Coast and in Barcelona, but the meat was great. You know, I just people think you can't do that. Sure, I can. They eggs and meat. Um, And I had I decided to have pizza twice. I had gelato. No, I had pizza once in Rome. No problem. It was very strange. It was just just cheese and meat. I had pasta I think once or twice and I had gelato once or twice and that was it the whole trip. Um, and one night though, I was at a wedding. That's why I was there and my stomach felt great. I, and I just laughed. I go, well, I know the stuff will fat me up if I eat too much of it, but I felt great. I felt fine. I chewed on some green olives. Only night of the whole trip. I was up with stomach aches all night, wow. green olives. I'm thinking what better food than a green olive, my something in the skin. And obviously, you know, more than I, it's amazing though. I still, it's hard to believe when I tell people, they just think I'm nuts. We are. <laughs> so the microbiome. So I have my theory that the microbiome is deadly for us. And that the microbes don't belong in our bowels. They don't belong in our skin, in, in, in our subcutaneous tissue or our bloodstream or our organs. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just curious your thoughts because you said that it maybe the microbes are fighting you, 
And I was reading a paper where they fed cows 30% of the calories from either canola oil or coconut oil, and the cows died. <laughs> and what they found is that the the rumen was sterile. Hmm. Because the microbes Holy were sterile. killed by the fat. So, so no even healthy microbes is what you're theorizing. Well, well the, the question is, if you have a microbe in your bloodstream, is it healthy? No. Then how is it we think the microbes in our gut are good for us? Right. So maybe we can handle a certain amount of incidental microbes, but this whole philosophy of, well, there's healthy ones and they're supposed to be there and they need fiber and we should live harmoniously with them. I, I don't think that theory is working. It is not. And, and I mean, I was just talking to a, a, an internal, no, a family practice doc today. And she says, well, the, the majority of the people in the ICU are all septic. And where are they getting the bugs from? It's likely from the bowels. Yeah. Leaking out of the bowels. Right. So the, so we're feeding all of us a plant-based diet, which breaks down to sugar, which feeds the microbes. And so the microbes are flourishing. They're damaging the, the, the glycobiome, the, the sugar coating of the gut that protects us. Leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And then it just happens that the doctors and the scientists have convinced us there are good, good bacteria and bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that is a, a known belief. It, it, that's, it's a, it's a known belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on that? It's... I've never stopped to think about the idea of good versus bad. And you know who really helped me? I love that you mentioned uh, uh, Professor Bart K. And he's really great. He would correct me on the cholesterol. There's no good and bad. There's just cholesterol, right? So instead of looking at it, at that reductionist model of, well, we see this or so that, how about we just look at it from a bigger picture? Maybe like you're saying, microbes or no microbes. And just because we have a tolerance, we don't need to build a whole philosophy that they should be there because everybody's full of them. It is fascinating. I, I, I do know um, one thing that's always stuck with me is when I got out of school, I remember reading about a, a company in the UK, or not a company, but a, a group of people, and they were doing the GAPS diet, G-A-P-S, and it stood for gut and psychological syndrome. And they were claiming to heal schizophrenia and autism through the gut. And, and I always wondered, so it put in my mind that, oh, it's the good bacteria that are good. But, but maybe if we take that piece aside and just say it's about lowering the ones that are more dangerous, that is very likely what's happening there. Or the number of bugs in your belly. That's it's really it, because when you have yeah. low counts, your immune system is able to keep them at bay and keep them in the gut and not mm -hmm. in the bloodstream. Yeah, it is fascinating because I know, um, you know, one, a lot of the, the manufacturers of uh, probiotics will tell you, you know, a lot of them aren't going to make it through the stomach because of the acidity of the stomach. And I go, well, most people have really lousy acid. Their acid's way too pH elevated. They don't, it should be way more acidic. So if the probiotics won't go through a semi-acidic, you know, gut, then if you have a really healthy gut, how are any going to get through there? How are they going to get to the colon in the first place? So, you know, it is a fascinating, I, I, I feel like that's a, a whole part of this like health 
thing that we're talking about that that is very early in its exploration and we can make a lot of these well it's interesting um um james henry salisbury mm-hmm. salisbury steak yep dr salisbury was a physician 1850s albany med went on in the civil war to show that his men were dying of dysentery he put them on a steak diet and they all healed he put them ba- back on a plant diet they all got sick mm. And he showed that in their in their in their diarrhea and in their vomit and or in their 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 um, uh, phlegm from coughing, he found a, an abundance of microbes. And so essentially, we were feeding the microbes with sugars and protein amino acids, which were proliferating and causing disease. And by putting them on steak, it healed them. Mm. And this the whole study with the cows that died of a by eating fat if we ate fat or when we eat fat it actually kills the microbes in our gut that helps us heal and feel better and i'm wondering what your thoughts are on the carnivore nutritional plan which ultimately and and keto and paleo are supposed to be that also a high fat diet but so many people still just focus on keto and paleo is low carb carbs and some lean protein. Yeah. And I would say that that's something for me to think on, but what, what I do know is exactly what you said that I see is fat still has way too much of a negative uh, kind of thought when we talk about fat. In fact, one of the reasons I, I reached out and we, we started our dialogue was, um, you know, I had been speaking to Bart. My cholesterol right now was was elevated 20 years ago, according to their standard standard deviation. I was several standard deviations away and maybe it was two something, 200 something, um, you know, in the American standard. And then, you know, I don't go to doctors a lot, medical doctors a lot. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't have the need, but every once in a while, I'll get a little blood work done. Let's see what's cooking in there. And then, uh, so after being three and a half years on keto, my cholesterol was was concerning to my medical doctor. I think the numbers were about 400 and my HDL was relatively fine at 60. My LDLs were about, or my triglycerides, 130, my LDL elevated. And then I went carnivore and had blood work done. I pegged the cholesterol meter, so to speak, whatever lab Kaiser uses, greater than 700 was my cholesterol. My uh, VLDL is high, my LDL is high, my HDL, normal range, uh, my glucose fine. And, but you know, the bells and whistles are going off. I got the MD calling me and are you taking that statin? And and I say, okay, well, from what I know that that statin, even at max dose where I'm, you know, seeing silly and going cross-eyed is only going to reduce about a third of that LDL. So that still puts me at, you know, hundreds. Uh, What's that going to do for me? And he goes, that's all we can do. And so then I started speaking with Bart Kay and uh, a gentleman named uh, Harry over in uh, Australia. And he starts getting into the, 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 the neat stuff of all this fat hypothesis and, and cholemicrons and LDL and VLDL and cholesterol and what it really is and what it does. And, I start thinking, well, fat's great for us. I mean, fat, our brains are fat. Our cells are fat. Cholesterol makes all our adrenal hormones. That's primarily what I do at work all day long. Talk to people about the hormones and stress and glucose. And 
anyhow, but to your point, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's even keto is more about lean proteins and a lot of vegetables that are uh, unlimited because they don't really count or like Adkins, right? I'll start way back at Adkins. And I'm seeing that nobody is really willing to eat a lot of fat. They're, they're afraid or they're doing it and they're not telling anybody. It's still this strange thing. I'm just wondering if you, if we use the word adipose tissue rather than fat. <laughs> and, and I'm a, I'm a rebranded, <laughs> rebranded in essence. Yeah. Uh, bears that hibernate, gestate cubs and lose no muscle mass and no bone mass. They lose only fat. Mm-hmm. How did that baby be? How did that baby grow? Adipose tissue is the most important tissue in our body. And there's no such thing as bad fat. Hmm. And so my theory is every adipose site is a cell with a cell membrane. Mm -hmm. The cell membrane contains phospholipids, cholesterol, proteins and glycans sugars Mm -hmm. those are the building blocks for every single cell of the body and so in fact adipose tissue is the building block for the body protein is not muscle is not but we've got it all wrong so adipose tissue contains all the minerals vitamins and nutrients that a body needs to be built Because I'm sure you've seen clients that have fasted for months. We've we've read about them. We know they're there. Mm -hmm. And they heal up and they get healthy fast. And a bear and many animals that hibernate, that nest, or they migrate, eat no food. But they get immensely fat prior to the fast. Mm -hmm. That's got to be nature's way, right? Yeah, like a, a rhythm or a season too. It's very cyclic. Right. And so adipose tissue is not inflammatory. But they say it is. Yeah, they're trying to make it causative of so many things, causation. That's correct. But but if I can eat fat and a cow can eat fat and a cow's fat kills its microbes in his gut and when I eat fat, it heals my gut. Maybe we've got it all wrong about obesity mm-hmm. and fat. Any thoughts on that? Just thoughts. Let's yeah, we're, well, my thoughts, conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard because I think there's so much, and, and I'll just be honest for my, I'll speak for myself, and it might translate to others. There's such a vanity part of this this life of, well, I want to look fit. And, and it's great when people are athletic, but it, the reality is most people, like if I'm in the health club, right, I just took a two-month sabbatical from the gym and uh, I decided to go back and redo my membership. I like working out outside, and but I'm going to go back under the blue lights a little bit and, and just yeah, I walk in and it's just so funny. There's just so much, it, it almost feels like there's a high degree of mental illness in the fitness and losing weight community and no matter how fit someone is they don't want to be fit 
they want to be thin. They want their abs to show. And if I could be fit on top of that, terrific. But but the motivation is clearly, you know, these aren't professional athletes who have to perform. They are working this hard trying to reduce adiposity. And it's it's a it's a tricky thing, right? Because the way you reduce adiposity in the early stages is very counter to what we've been told. And might even, even personally, I had to say, Sean, okay, you're eating 1700 calories a day. You have your metabolism shot. You're at 14% body fat. And that's the best you can do. Cause, because, and when I try to go lower doing that, I was losing muscle and bone. I, I was testing myself frustrated. I could get more athletic and I could look leaner if I dehydrate, right. And I, but I was just killing my metabolism. Mm. So to finally say it is what it is and just start eating the fat, eating the fatty meat until I'm satisfied, mm-hmm. um, even stopping so much wa- excess water consumption, going and putting grass fed butter in my mouth when I'm thirsty and seeing if my thirst goes away. I mean, it's a whole and going fat is becoming my medicine and, and I'm seeing it in my children. I have teenage boys who are athletic, high level athletics. And I'm even seeing it in my dogs. I mean, it's like wildfire. I go, I, I got to do this for them too. I can't just do this for me. And what better, what better guinea pigs than my children? My, my, you know, but people get nervous when you start talking about teen athletes. Well, is there any requirement for a plant carbohydrate? I would say there's zero requirement. Gluconeogenesis, that body fat is beautiful to make the sugar we need. Never knew that. I missed that in biochemistry, apparently. And I love biochemistry. I talk a lot about the glycobiome. Okay. And most people have never heard of the glycobiome. The sugar environment of our body. Mm -hmm. So 70% of proteins are glycosylated. So most people talk about proteins, but they forget about glycoproteins because they've never heard of them. And so our glycoproteins are damaged by glycation, mm-hmm. which is the overconsumption in frequency or amount of plant sugars that damage our glycobiome. And so if you think about it, the sugar layer that binds to either proteins or fats of the cell wall or other molecules that circulate can only be functional if they have the right sugar molecules on them. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the real cause of disease is the damage to the glycobiome Mm -hmm. through glycation. And so none of us are really talking about that because none of us really, again, we just don't know the science because we're so fixed that glucose is your energy. Right. And not fat. That we're kind of, I feel like because of that, we're given, we're given the glucose, the, the, the carbohydrates a pass. We're not looking at them. Well, let's just say we held them as maybe, maybe they're the good guy. Maybe they're the bad guy. Let's look objectively. I don't see that happening. We're just assuming, well, you gotta have carbs. You gotta have glucose. But like you just said, that, um, that glycation process, that damaging that sugar molecule, I mean, that is, that is, I believe, what the inflammatory, a, a part of the inflammatory process is. And when that's in your high pressure arterial walls going around tight junctions, creating turbidity, 
and high pressure, and if your blood pressure is up, I mean, that is the beginning of arthrosclerosis. That is heart disease in what I've read. Would you agree with that? The cause of disease is sugar and fat gets the blame. Right. But fat is actually the most important, fantastic molecule of your body. Adipose tissue, you will die without it fast. Anorexics, bulimics, cachectics, they drop dead fast. And it's because of the deprivation of fat. The deprivation of fat. And and because your, your immunoglobulins are made of a phospholipid bilayer mm -hmm. with glycoproteins that are the barcode that say, come on in or go out. They tag, anti they tag antigens to be taken up by other immune cells and also uh, taken up in the lymphatics or in the spleen or other lymphoid tissue. And so there's a simple story to all of this because you mentioned about psychological dysfunction. And I'm wondering to get your opinion on, on what you think about carnivore and the, and the mental attitude or capacity. Georgia Ede, I don't know if you've listened to Georgia Ede. I have. Uh, she's a rock star, and she talks a lot about carnivore. And my bet is the same thing. Every disease is caused by a, a protein plant lean meat diet, which damages our neurons and, our, and every molecule mm -hmm. or body. But have you noticed any differences in your clients when they've gone carnivore um, psychologically and or emotionally? Yes, I would say. Um, in fact, I've I've done some referring to some talk therapy, referring out because of the emotional issues. But what's interesting is when these clients, which is a lot now, what what I'm learning is how to transition a little slower because. I'm realizing, well, I was keto for so long, so my transition was rough, but I didn't go from sad diet to, to carnivore. But in the people who I've mistakenly said, hey, let's really titrate these carbs down, it, it's been fascinating because it seems to get to the root of what their stresses in life outside of exogenous like nutrition and things like that, more their lifestyle stresses. It gets there quick. It's it, for instance, um, a, a woman who's been been a, a patient for a while, not very um, didn't follow follow the deal very well, but she's loyal and she's willing to keep working, and I'm willing to be patient with her. And you know, she thanks me routinely for not firing her. And I said, "Well, that's the old me. I'm trying to be less militant and a lot more grace, uh, to a degree." But um, I mean, we really she figured out her own issue so much quicker. I mean, she's been dieting her whole life. She's you know almost 300 pounds, no chronic anything. Labs look great. She is just obese. It's wild. But the minute we put her on the carnivore style diet and we pulled the plant material out, it was almost like a fast forwarding of working out all the steps most people get to understand, oh, this is a lifestyle problem for me. I'm, a, I'm an eater of carbohydrates to medicate me. Whereas another patient, it had more to do with family issues and things like that. But it's funny how they they get it, it seems that people get there a lot quicker 
because it takes some of the other, I call them the other voices. We used to think the voices were up here. I really think the voices are down here. I think the voices are those microbiome that shouldn't be there that are way too strong. They're flexing. They've overrun a bit and they're too loud. And people think I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm, you know, and I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist. I'm a chiropractor, but I can tell you that this is just a friend to friend here. Those voices in your head, some of them are yours and some of those are not yours. And let's try to starve out the ones that aren't yours. And that's what I think is happening. Fermentation makes alcohol in the gut, Mm -hmm. which circulates to your brain and Fs us up. So essentially, fermentation makes alcohol, aldehydes, methane gas, and other toxic chemicals that we don't even realize that are screwing up our brain. That's a fascinating thing I haven't heard much about. I am I am very curious about auto intoxication and our children are suffering from it. Hmm. I had ADHD, OCD, depression, dyslexia, couldn't read, migraines, bowel problems since a child. I grew up in LA, kicked out of school in a gang. I grew up in the ghetto. The ghetto, the barrio, we had no money. We had we're on welfare, lots of other things. My parents were amazing. My father spent a year, a year in jail. The best thing that ever happened to him, he found God again, read the Bible. And, and what I've learned is that every single disease, even our brain dysfunction, even criminality and suicidality are secondary to a plant-based fermenting and the opiate-like drugs in a plant-based diet. I believe it. I, I do. I'll tell you, even to, to even make this a little stranger of divine appointment, one of my favorite shows ever, I never like, like you ever watch something and then or see something or remember something and it just stays with you almost a lifetime. I mean, I have those little glimpses, but one of them came from I was watching a, a I think it's Discovery Channel show called Alone, where they drop people in the, you know, in different parts of this horrible condition. And hey, you get a few things and Basically, they're all starving to death and who could last the longest. And and I'll never forget one uh, one gentleman. uh, He hunted a I believe it was a moose and he had it stowed real well and he was thriving. And then the people were getting the fish and they kept talking about fat, 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 fat. And, you know, great. We all know that salmon and fatty fish is great for us. But the one with the moose, it, it devastated him. The mice left everything and all they went after was his stored fat and he didn't have it barricaded enough and he kept talking about over and over that he was losing weight the more he was eating of the the lean moose the more he was getting sick it was almost like it would have been better to not eat and it was so fascinating to go fat really fat's the thing it was like this new idea for me And then the other thing that's amazing, which once again speaks to, I mean, so that once again speaks towards the carnivore part of of things too, the balance of fatty meat, you know, the balance, not just the lean, not just the tenderloin and, and, you know, listen to paleontologists, they're talking about the lions would leave the filet and the straps and the shoulders and they'd eat the omentum and the fat, let the cubs get in there and the the, the lactating mothers get in there first. Nature knows but I've been blessed to have met a man named Dr. Laszlo Boros. He's a Hungarian researcher. Yes. And he's giving me like the same information through hydrogen and heavy hydrogen. And at the end of the day, it just the default is a carnivore lifestyle. That's correct. Because 
the carbohydrates are the exogenous contamination of heavy hydrogen in our body along with water, which if you eat a lot of fat, you don't need to drink a lot of water, which is a whole nother fascinating thing. Everybody carrying their, toting their water around with them. And, and we're actual water addicts now, I believe. And it's, it's all part of the deal. So maybe you can go to those two things. I want, I want to talk about the, um, the water intake and fasting. Uh, how do you approach these things with your clients? What are your thoughts on them? What's the benefits? Yeah. So I've never felt like it's a great idea to do the gallon of water a day, but I did it for a long time and you could do water balance. I also, the one bodybuilding show I did a natural show. I messed the whole thing up for myself, a whole year of work because I try, I, I just messed up my water balance and I look like the stay puffed marshmallow man instead of lean and mean the day before I looked terrific. The day of, I just looked like, back to butterball. You know, I, it just didn't go well. I drank two gallons of water and I just timed it. I missed it by a day. Outside of that, like wildness, I just noticed my kids, everybody's always, you know, carrying around their big 40 ounces of water and, and my patients too. And they, they tell me over and over, oh, I'm always so thirsty. I'm always so thirsty. And it seems to be the ones that eat a lot of fruit. And I'm making this correlation, high water, low to no fat, nah, not much protein and a lot of fruit. And it's just the same because my typical patient, no matter what I've tried to brand or market, you know, I got some pro athletes, but 90 plus percent are 47 to 54 year old women going through tough perimenopausal changes. And it's like I tease them. I'm, I've actually had patients at Costco where the check stand person who's checking them out asks if they have a fruit stand. When a patient tells me that, I'm thinking you might be eating too much fruit. And one of the best health results I, I ever get with people is taking them off all the fruit and toning down water is a new thing, but I'm noticing it's like almost like they're diabetic, like insipidus, right? That the thirsty. And, um, but one of the newer things I'm doing now is I am trying to challenge people. I'm, I'm not saying ignore your thirst, drink when you're thirsty. I do think we're supposed to drink when we're thirsty, but knowing, Hey, in the first week or two or three of this transition, your thirst is more of like a withdrawal and you're addicted to water. So, I mean, have a few sips, but don't chug and make sure you get enough salt in your meat. And uh, let's tone those carbs down and eat fat when you're thirsty and see how you feel. And it, I mean, even my own 20 year old son, dad, I barely drank any water today. I'm not thirsty. I mean, he's a very healthy boy. I mean, we're talking and he's strong and vascular. He went carnivore this summer. I mean, he's relaxed and you see veins in his I mean, the kid, he, he could probably go win a contest right now just from being healthy, uh, you know, but it's great. So that's what I'm doing with patients now. But that is a new thing, the water intake for me and the, the go to fat, go to fat. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of pushback. I'm taking away some of their pillars of health, right? Drink lots of water, low fat, 100 grams of protein a day with associated fat. That's the thing. They, they ignore the second part. They just hear 100 grams of protein a day. No, 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 with associated fat. <laughs> Fasting. That's a popular one, right? Any thoughts on that for your clients or what are your experiences? I, I, I think you have my personal experience. Well, I've done a, a, a long water fast before. I did a 21-day water fast. I tried broth and juice a couple times and it made me sick. Wow. So by default. And I, I felt like I was led into it through spirituality. I did it with a friend. And uh, 21 days on water, and it was the most bizarre thing. 
I felt fine. I get a little woozy if I stood up too quick. That was it because, you know, I had to heal my blood sugar problems. I lost 30 pounds, um, probably most of it water and, you know, just the bowels emptying. But um, I wasn't that hungry. I was sad. Mm. I would watch cooking shows, Alton Brown shows on cooking a steak. My wife's <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? I'm halfway through it. I go, I just, I, it, it's the weirdest thing. I'm not hungry. I'm sad. So I learned a lot about fasting from, you know, that's a, a wild thing. But I also think I was young enough and bold enough. And I, I don't know that it was a very healthy thing. I think it was spiritual. I tried to do it again the next year. I lasted a half a day. I, I think there wasn't grace for it. And so my opinion on fasting is um, I think you have to be at a certain level of health to get the benefit if you do it too early. And all these people doing all this intermittent fasting and drinking all this water, I, I think they're making things harder on themselves personally. But I do think moving towards, I'm slowly moving towards more of a lion diet. It's just kind of naturally happening. I tried to force it too early and I was getting headaches yeah. and cramps. And now I'm down to eating about twice a day. Got it. And I'm just slowly... You know, but as far as the long-term stuff, that's that's a whole nother conversation. I'd love to hear your opinion on what you mean by fasting and and what you recommend. Yeah, I th I think the because I think the fasting is such a spiritual experience for most of us. I mean, that's what we're used to in our religious uh, practices. Um, I think that eating less frequently is a benefit to the gut because it allows the gut to heal. Um, I typically recommend one meal a day. And I talk a lot about two to three day fasting a couple of times a month, but I don't always do it. And I practice a five to seven day fast twice a year, but I do it mostly for the sort of the spiritual sense and that I can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like do something hard becomes easy. And I call it food freedom. So you can say no. I mean, that 21 day fasting, that must've been very, very difficult. And I can understand getting depressed after a while. Uh, because there's such a motivation to eat and so many animals that fast for any significant amount of time, they hibernate or they nest or they, they significantly reduce their metabolic rate by resting more. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why the depression, it's supposed to depress you to rest you. Right. Maybe not high functioning activities while you're in that state, which is what most people are trying to do. I feel. And, like. and if you think about depression and resting, depress you to rest you, it's the reset and resync your life. Mm -hmm. But we don't practice that because our practice is if you're depressed, eat something. Yeah. Which, which fuels the fire of inflammation which then it's that, that cycle of, okay, I'm depressed all the time, but I get that happy time when I eat, but then I'm depressed, which ultimately leads to all the, the problems we're all suffering from, which is the most unhealthy diet that humanity has ever created. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Robert Lustig from UCSF wrote a great book about that dopamine reward and how we're getting it from food incorporation is exploiting that because I mean, even to the color of the junk food bags, it's exploiting our, our visual cortex to, Oh, that that's the color of fruit. We're supposed to eat that in season, but it's year round now, you know, and it's, well, that's, that is our problem because nature didn't provide fruit and, and any edible vegetables. Remember you didn't eat the vegetable. You ate the fruit of the plant. Right. And did you eat any significant seeds or nuts? 
they're not easy to eat or find of any significance or frequency. We're not squirrels. And if you but, did, you probably had diarrhea and they came out pretty quick. Yes, yes, yes. And, and squirrels hibernate or nest. And so we're, we're not living the life we probably lived for the first three and a half million years or whatever the number is and that we're making it up, but sure. It's quite but we're definitely. So would you, would you say some of our problems of this life, our health, problems whether it be physical mental emotional are from a, a large portion from being out of sync with nature oh 100 that's a good that's a good point i mean nature you know likely said eat once a day or less because mm -hmm. the work you or did less. was yeah. or the work you did was hunting and preparing food yeah and much of our preparation of food is a modern agricultural world the reason you have to prepare it because if you didn't you'd die because you can't eat raw seeds and nuts of any significance or frequency it'd kill you right corn raw is deadly for us um and so preparation was critical to survival but as an ancient hunter you didn't there wasn't anything to prepare you you hunted you killed you cut and you ate that's probably probably it but i think you're right our our nature you know we're pavlog's dog um the morning bell goes off Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you have your coffee, your tea, your toast or something, you know, it's breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks in between. And and if we simply, you know, changed it more to the lion's way where we ate from time to time, we ate the proper human diet, as, as Ken Berry likes to say. Um, and we realize that Chafee says is that plants are trying to kill us. I say they're actually controlling us. They mm -hmm. don't want to kill you. They want to control you. Okay. And plants like are domesticating. Yeah, yeah. They're I mean, they're the plants and the microbes are actually the controllers. Fascinating, isn't it? It's crazy. I have a couple other questions. Uh and but uh, thank you for taking some extra time. I really appreciate this. Oh, this is really a remarkable conversation. What motivates you? I think um I think I was born with kind of a, a reformer spirit. I see things and I want to make them better. And I see people. I think I've always been drawn to people. And I don't know if that's because my mom just wanted me to rub her feet when I was five years old, you know, and earn those quarters. Uh, or if uh, I really just, it was just me. But I, I've always loved um, babies. I've loved children. I've loved humans. When I'm in the right space, I can ignore the faults and the things wrong. But my default is to see all the things wrong. And so um, that's, that's kind of my work is to choose to overlook the things that could be better and focus on the thing, which is usually a, a person and, uh, and, and being empathetic and, and you know, trying to serve them well and not let my, my monkey brain get in there and start meddling it and entrepreneurializing it and <laughs> reforming it. And so I don't even know if that answers your question, but what's the purpose of spirituality in your life? I think the purpose is for me to understand that I am a created being. And, and I think this for myself and most is to I believe we're, we're born with skills and gifts that give us great success in life. 
but I think we reach a point or I reach a point where I have to not rest on that anymore. That was for my young self, my, my immature self. And now I actually have to overcome the very things that led me to this place in life that will now destroy me. So I think by overcoming myself um, and the actual things I'm really good at um, will kind of transcend and allow me to clearly see the divine, to see God, to see the author of all creation. And that's a tough one. Favorite book? I would say one of my favorites. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite, but well, hmm, there's two that come to mind. My we'll take two. All right. So one of them is called Power Versus Force mm. um, by uh, Dr. Hawkins. And it's a little out there. It's more on the chiropractic side of things. But I like this idea of you can control things with power, um, with force, but it's very limited. But if yeah. you learn to operate in power, it just flows. And I think most illnesses metaphorically are, are they're not flowing. They're stagnation by force. And then the other book it was written by a fascinating character. It's called Anti-Fragile. Things that gain from disorder. Mm. Taleb, T-A-L-E-B is the author. It's fascinating. He talks about human health, finance, and politics all in one book. And, and he's kind of an economist kind of person. But I like the idea that we gain from disorder. We get stronger from disorder. And it gets us out of our predictable nature of how we live life. Because nature is not predictable. <laughs> Your biggest flaw? Being critical. Of? Where? of well just about everything uh, i'm very i have very high expectations of myself and unfortunately i i am guilty of letting that uh kind of bleed out into the people around me who i love the most and uh so it's it's human. a learning experience human your yeah. biggest your 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 biggest strength i would say um biggest strength hmm that's an interesting one for me to talk about myself. I, I think it's just my my compassion. I think uh, if I'm in the right space, uh, compassion seems to create a change in my environment. I I, I, I was going to say kind and caring, which is compassion. That's awesome. what I see in, Thank in you. you. And uh, that's what inspired me to want to talk to you and, and learn more about your way. Um, any particular dream or goals that you're you're sitting on or oh, I'm so glad you asked that. That's like my favorite question. Ah. Yes, sir. With people like you. I mean, I, I think that's what this is doing. These this this group, these 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 wonderful, amazing people with so much to offer the world, um, like yourself. I would love to have a, a place, not just a virtual place like this. I mean, this is great, right? We're on different sides of the world right now, or the country, but a place where we can gather, almost think of it like an Airbnb for health and wellness. Huh. And whether people come for a day, a week, a month, a year, a place to come and get well, a place where you can recreate and gather. Um, <laughs> at one point it was garden, but I'll tell you, that's changed. Um, but build and learn and, and and have just kind of some some kind of retreat where we could connect with the creator, do some good physical health changes and, and really just leave there changed and, 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 and let that, you know, take it back to the world. So that's 
that's my dream and something that I really want to see in my lifetime. Do you have any particular physical movements, exercise that you practice or you recommend for yourself or clients? One of my, my least favorite things to do are my bird dogs, my side bridges. Uh, there's a Dr. McGill who is uh, pretty slick when it comes to healing the discs of the back. And uh, I, I've found great value from a structural perspective of doing Dr. McGill's exercises. I, I've been doing them for a couple of years. They've made really impactful changes on my just mental strength too. I, I hate doing them. I hate them. I don't even like to use the word hate, but I do them anyway. And it, to me, that's like my version of fasting. It, it, I got to do my, my, my bird dogs, you know? And, um, but yeah, I think that's a good thing for me personally. I don't know why I, I dislike it so much, but it works. Any questions or comments you wanted to share or ask me uh, before we uh, sign off for the day? Yeah. I just love to know, if you were to chunk things up, this thing we talked about today is lifestyle, nutrition, mental, yeah. emotional, where we grew up. As far as the average person that you meet and see that's just struggling or even it's doing well like me, but wants to do weller, wants to do better. Yep, yep. Um, what do you see being the main thing or area of their life that if they just change their thinking or adapted some new practices, they'd flourish. Faith in God and see everything that's ever happened in your life is perfect. And everything that's happening in your life is perfect and all God's way. And I always ask people if they know who God is. And most people say, nope. Hmm. And I'm like, well, have you looked in the mirror lately? That's who God is. Yeah. Made in his image. <laughs> Made in his image. And, and to me, Jesus Christ actually gave us that one little bit that changes everything. Because God's not out there. God's in here. Mm -hmm. So if I can see his way as like, wow, hardships, challenges, faults, failures, losses, and death is all the gift of life. And that's the training ground of life. And so if we can see that, but it usually takes us time to see it. And the real trick is there's no time. You just see it right away. God's got this. Wow. Wow, he knows what he's doing. You know, the idea that what I want is what I have, or it's the building blocks to get there. And so I don't care what your diet is, your activity, your exercise, your DNA, or anything. It's a mind game. Hmm. And the mind is the master. And there's a really great book, called the three magic words. It took me a while to figure this out because I was raised Catholic. I never understood a word of it. I couldn't read very well and I didn't understand the parables of the story. But eventually in my 
early 50s, I went on the journey to figure out God. And I'm a scientist. So I had to figure out the, the mind. How is it someone goes from thinking straight to Alzheimer's, dementia, depression, suicide, or psychosis? That's the mind. And so most of us are, are holding on to the problems of the world rather than seeing the precious nature of everything that God has created in the world. As Barquet likes to say, there's no good nor bad. Mm -hmm. And, and when it comes to cholesterol, it's all, it's all just dumb. It's like we are cholesterol laden beings and without it, we're dead. And the science in general, I call it snake oil and data, which drives us to argue about what it is when in fact, God is all there is because it's all a story. If you think about it. Absolutely. It's all just a story. And so whatever you th think is true. And so if, that's where I found Christianity, the particular foundation of the most amazing ideas of kindness, generosity, love, and judge with love. And I, I find that in the, and, and so that's a part that I think is the most important thing. If we can help people see the beauty of God within themselves, but the word God is such a conflicting word for us. Mm -hmm. But if you understand the ancients of the world, I don't know how many thousands of years that figured out God. And it's in the mirror. And when we learn to love each other via loving ourselves, that's how I, I see it. But it's amazing that carnivore helps you think better. Oh, that's the nuts and bolts of this, this world God created and still had to, even, even Christ on earth in a man had to follow his own rules of nature. He chose to. So there we go. We got to follow the rules of nature. Yeah. That, that's so, so radical important. I think, in a sense, this is a ministry. And I'm not trying to convert anyone. I'm just trying to share something. And I think Jesus Christ was doing the same thing. Yeah. He just like figured out like, wait a minute, you don't, you don't have to pay them. No one's going to get a sword and convince you to be this or that. You have the power and carnivore kindness and faith in God. I think they all come together in real health and wellness yeah, that so. we're just not sharing and talking enough. I agree. I think it's a higher level of truth. Yeah. And the truth is what sets us free. Correct. And, and interesting because amino acids convert to sugar in the liver. And most people don't know that. Mm -hmm. And so a high protein Low-fat diet is deadly. It, it mimics a, sh a sugar diet, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Right on, right on. And so essentially we're damaging our bodies and our brain is just another organ that now can't think straight and ultimately can't see the beauty and perfection of everything. Mm. And fasting, so if you eat plants, simple sugars with the right amount of fat and you eat less frequently, you may be fine.
I, I understand now why you would recommend that ba built off of the 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 lean uh, protein maybe even being worse for you than just enjoying a little bit of carbohydrate here and there in a form of a simple sugar. And your story about the, 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 the person who was eating the, the end up with the lean meat from the moose and lost all the fat. Yeah. It was the end for him. It, it's the end, but I, I, I love the science of all this mm -hmm. and I love the spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how it's merged together. I mean, in my life, and it sounds like obviously yours, and it's not just us. I'm starting to see it's not just us. I don't know where we've all been, but it's it's this is 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 definitely becoming a Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, Christian, Muslim. This is the foundation of humanity and many other ancient ancient religions, which I think are critical to humanity in order for us to live a better life in our modern crowded conditions. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause I don't know the right religion. I just know philosophy that enables me to live a more prosperous life. And like you, I think my real drive is to help people around the globe and social media is the real social medicine that we could touch people all around the globe and never have to leave our home. Yeah. That's definitely a fascinating how we're, we connect through these things. Yeah. Well, listen, Sean, I really appreciate you and we're going to, um, share much of what you're doing and uh would you just uh mention for those listening or watching how people can find you yeah um i'm on instagram uh uh dr sean patterson youtube dr sean patterson dr sean patterson um and my website's dr sean patterson.com so pretty try to keep that somewhat uh i'm not i'm not the best social uh, media light um uh, but i'm i'm learning okay i gotta learn a few kid things from my kids here so well i'm just learning also and mm -hmm. and you know this is just to me it's fantastic way we're all listening and learning together and sharing and and the more we grow that and uh whether we're at um the the, the garden of life but we're we're allowing the, the the animals to eat the plants and then we're consuming the uh animals in appropriate ways makes so. perfect sense to me god bless you my friend you too my friend appreciate your time i look forward to connecting again soon so yes definitely thanks for tuning in to this episode of carnivore conversations hosted by me dr robert kiltz and don't forget to review us on apple podcast spotify or wherever you're listening today Check out drkilts.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.